Hi there. Welcome to the Creating Australia podcast. My name is Jessica Reynolds, and I'm a private town planner and business owner based in Brisbane, Queensland. I'm passionate about engaging with the amazing people that make the property and development industry what it is today. In Creating Australia, I want to learn from experts in the industry and share their knowledge and wisdom with you. In each episode, we'll talk with different people and unpack their past experiences and innovative ideas for the future. Join me now for an episode of Creating Australia, where we dive into the industry, exploring local stories, projects, businesses, people, ideas, and more. Thank you, Adam, for joining us today. Would you mind introducing yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Adam DeMarco. I'm the, the founder and CEO of The Urban Developer. Um, I'm, a, I'm a property developer as well, uh, and I'm an expectant father come October 18. Wow, that is pretty exciting and sounds life-changing. <laughs> it, it, it certainly is. I, 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 um, I, was, I was presented with a very weird week um, in earlier this year where in the same week I was told that, that we were going to have a baby and in the, in the, that very same week I realised that COVID was about to absolutely turn my business upside down. So I refer to that week as peak week. It was peak high and peak low. Yeah, no, I think everybody's been on a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but I could imagine that that's, that's two very extremes. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. It was, it was a hell of a week. Yeah, I could imagine. Well, only good things to come, I'd imagine. So what is the urban developer? What, what is that about? We're a, we're a media company for the property industry. What we do is we publish daily independent news for our, our audience which is made up of people that work within the property industry in Australia and abroad. We also have a, an events business where we bring people together to learn and to connect about what's happening in property. And then we also have a professional development arm. So we, we learn and educate through online learning and physical workshops to, you know, to, to upskill and empower the industry to make better decisions. And, and in the future, we've got a couple of things underway where we're, we're starting to think about the urban developer as more of a platform where, where people and companies can connect directly through our platform to ultimately create better cities, which is our whole, whole purpose. Okay, so you want to create better cities by providing information. So it's sort of like access to information and education and connecting people within the industry. That's right. We've got a bit of a, a mission whereby we believe that if we can create a world where there's better, clearer, more transparent and independent information, then those people that create cities can rely upon that, make better, more informed decisions and ultimately deliver better social, environmental and, uh, and economic outcomes and create better communities. And that's, that's ultimately what drives us to do what we do in media, education, events and technology are our tools for doing that. Yeah, well, I can get behind that. So if people haven't heard of the urban developer, they probably are living under a rock or aren't involved in the property and development industry. I'm sure this wasn't something that just popped up overnight and has just been a success from day one. How did this journey start? It's, it's been a long journey, actually. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, it's happened so quickly. But, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's been going for a long, long time. We incorporated our company about six years ago. Okay. Uh, and before that, about for, for about two years before that, we were really playing with 
a bit of an experiment. My background's in property development. I was working at the time as a development manager for Leighton Properties in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. And and I was really frustrated with the way that, you know, the property industry transferred information. You know, I was sitting and trawling town planning and sort of development applications, trying to find a way to better digest them and and started a blog. And, And the blog was really, really small, really simple. At the time, I had no idea how to use WordPress or any of the tools that you do. I didn't even know what a CPM was. And so over the weekends, I used to write um, and I used to use it as an opportunity to journal my own research. And then after, you know, about a year of that, I, I was mentioning it to a friend of mine, Lockie, and and we decided, well, you know, we had a few people that had signed up to it and I think we were at about a 1,000 people that had signed up and given us their email addresses and we thought, oh, this is not a bad way to actually look at media for the property industry and then we really just you know i think we spent six grand designing a website we did everything ourselves we designed our own media kit we went out and we sold a bunch of advertising to people that we knew in property and and we're often on our way and so we use that money to then hire our first um, editor and and she just come out straight out of university and she started punching away daily articles and then fast forward six years you know we've certainly grown up a lot we've got a a truly independent team of journalists now. We've got an advertising part of the business. We've got the events part of the business and and we've been able to sort of grow and everything that's really binded us, I guess, and driven us has been this desire to, to, to build a, an independent industry platform for property and mm-hmm. uh, and bring the industry together and, and create, you know, and contribute to creating better cities in the process. Yeah, no, that's lovely. So... You started off in property development and now you're a media baron. Have you been able to combine the two and continue the property development or, you know, has it been like a clear distinction of I'm leaving that behind and now I'm, I'm purely in this space now with the urban developer? Yeah, look, I think I think media baron's probably a little <laughs> bit of a fast threat given I'm, given I'm sitting here in my basement underneath the house. But I still and always have been involved in property development. It was sort of, I guess, my first love and then and it's still it's still something I love doing. And I think it's really important from a media point of view to remain involved in the property industry because mm-hmm. it allows us to be on the on the cutting edge of content. So by having one foot in the world of property development, it helps us to create better pub- publishing. And allows us to understand what the key issues are, and and from a personal point of view, it allows me to sort of um, engage with with my peers, and not just as a you know as a journalist or as a as a sort of a media entrepreneur or whatever it is. So at the moment, I, I have my own property development business. It's called Demarco Group. Where we're a boutique residential developer in Brisbane. We've got one project which is just about to start construction in West End, which is called Amersham, and that's 29 apartments. And uh, and we hope to start construction in the next few months on that. And then we've recently bought another block of land in the CBD of Brisbane. It's a small, tricky uh, little block of land that we've got some really, really good ideas for. And uh, we're just taking our time to find the best outcome for that. So I do those developments in partnership with a, a private family out of Singapore mm-hmm. um, and we joined venture together and it's been a wonderful experience working with those guys because we're really bringing the best of Singapore with the best best of Queensland and 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 trying to trying to collide um, the those two kind of design ethoses and cultures and, and and lots of different things so I'm loving being involved in property it's it's much harder than media 
um, <laughs> I assure you, but, um, and especially at the moment, but I, it's a passion. It's a passion for me. No, definitely. I can see um, you light up as you talk about your property development just as much as your media. So I'm really interested to know what is your favorite part about property development? Because I could see, you know, you're aligning things like Queensland and Singaporean development. I think those are an amazing combination, but like, what's the, what's the favorite part about it? The thing that's always fascinated me about property development has been this clash, I think, between the art and the science, the, the creative and the practical. And so, and, and kind of like the human and the built as well. So you've got this dichotomy and all these different kind of paradoxical things that, that collide. And, I, and, it, and it, I just find it the most intellectually stimulating thing that you can do. And then at the very end of the day, you get to look at this built thing that you've had a hand in creating, along with the team that's involved and everyone else that's involved in it. And, and it's special. It feels special. It's going to be there for 100 years, if not more. So that from a very, very young age was, was very interesting. I, mm-hmm. um, my father had worked initially in music and then in, in banking. Um, and so in his banking career, um, lent, lent lots of money to uh, property developers. So I got a bit of a, a feel from him in terms of, you know, what that space looked like. I, lots of my family, extended family, had been in, in construction and trades like concreting and brick laying and and those sorts of and skills. And then my mother is an extremely creative person. So when you sort of look at what my my references were, yeah. it doesn't really surprise me now that that's something that I, I got into. But look, to answer your question, it's really, it's that coming together of art and science that mm-hmm. I think just continues to fascinate me and having that kind of that legacy and that impact on the world around you as well. Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, very cool answer. So you were touching on about how these buildings are going to be there for 100 plus years. I'd like to think that, you know, some of those Queenslanders are around longer than 100 years. So I'd, I'd say most of the buildings we're building now are going to be lasting even longer than 100 years. Do you find when you're doing a development, knowing that your name's attached to it and is going to be there so long, directs decisions or do you go more for the data? Is there an emotional element to your decision making process? Yeah, there is, and that works. That works for you and against you in many different ways. Mm. Uh, I, I think, and, and I'm certainly not ashamed to say it. I, I've, I've made lots of mistakes, and and sometimes you run with your heart instead of your head, and sometimes you run too much with your head instead of the, instead of your heart. So, I think it's inescapable, given it is a creative pursuit at its core, mm-hmm. that that there is emotion in what you're creating. There are developers out there that are very kind of emotionless and I think many of us know <laughs> who they would be, right? But, look, I ultimately, you know, I don't find that fun, so why would I bother doing that? It's yeah. it's the creative that actually makes it interesting. But I certainly am tempering the extent to which I let the emotion dictate it now, though, the older mm-hmm. that you get. So, so being more disciplined around your decision-making, being far more data-led, um, mm-hmm. recognising the areas that you've previously stuffed up in the past and then sort of making amends for them into the future. And, and I, find, I find that where I am today relative to where I was five years ago or ten years ago is a major leap forward, but then where I am today relative to where I'll be in five and ten years, I'll probably feel like a, a junior burger at the moment. So yeah. um, it's, all, it's all very relative to your journey mm-hmm. and as long as you're self-aware enough, I think, to, to recognise where you are on that journey, and keep improving um, because you got, everyone's got an enormous amount of potential to to sort of continue mm-hmm. to learn more as well. 
Definitely. That must be pretty exciting then. Uh, I love being able to look back and see, you know, where were you five years and knowing that in five, 10, 20 years, you're going to be like next level. Like that's, that must be mm. pretty exciting mm. and a big driver, obviously for you. I'm interested to know where you get inspiration for your projects from. Cause I'm wondering, you know, you've got the urban developer, you've got access to all these projects coming across. I, I assume you, you look at it quite daily. You see the content coming across your eyes does any of that sort of dictate what you do with development or do you try and ignore it a little bit when you're doing your own thing? How do you approach the, the two sides of, I guess, your businesses? Yeah, um, it's, it's a really good question, actually. Do I look at everything that comes through? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a, kid, in a, candy, I'm a kid in a candy store and when I get the, when I get the preview email, emails at the end of every day, which are to be published the next day, I'm always excited and fascinated by the fact that, you know, we get to see it first. That certainly does inform your thinking, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's any one thing in it that, or one project that moves the needle a lot. There are some yeah. that you sort of look and you go, wow, that's amazing. And, and you know, I'll just, just sort of call out Aria's Urban Forest Project. I think that is mm-hmm. just completely, <laughs> and I, you know, I hope it happens in the way that it's envisioned to happen, but it's really elevated just Singaporean I would say (laughs) but it's it's elevated consciousness around what a building can be and there's there's other projects uh, like the Atlassian building down in in Sydney as a workplace Mm -hmm. that's fully timber and it's fully flexible and 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 it's part of a precinct so so there are buildings and there are developments and there are sort of trends that you look at and, and you I think wow that's huge but I don't think one thing moves the needle a lot. I, I okay. just, I'm, I'm totally influenced by kind of like all things. I remember this analogy I heard when I was young and obsessed with cricket for whatever reason that so someone once said to Shane Warne, you know, be like a sponge, absorb everything and, and squeeze out what you don't want. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always sort of taken that on board as a bit of a philosophy because I find it, you know, really important that uh, you don't really close off. You don't want to preclude yourself from learning about things but you also just want to squeeze out the things that you don't necessarily agree with so there's been a huge amount of influence but when it comes down to the the projects I do try to think about them from first principle Mm -hmm. every time Mm -hmm. so you know not necessarily try and you know put a squeeze a square peg into a round hole for example Mm -hmm. like you want to think about the site think about its context right think about its aspect Think about where the light is and then, and then work with an architect that responds best to those kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. Give the architects enough space and the planners enough space to be able to exercise their own creativity and then come back. So it's this combination of, of you as a solid, creating a solid, solid brief and them mm-hmm. coming back with their creativity and keeping that kind of harmonious nature between the client and the consultant because when that's happening, you get this amazing sense of ownership from the consultant team, whilst at the same time meeting the objectives objectives that you need to meet as the developer. Yep. So it's that kind of dance that mm-hmm. between the client and the consultants that gets the best outcome. So, you know, I, I think that's been something that I've been a lot more focused on as I'm growing up and, and sort of evolving mm-hmm. is empowering the consultant team more so yep. than dictating to the consultant what I want and similarly really listening to but knowing when to sort of pull the reins in and make mm-hmm. and make decisions so so it's that dance that I find um is, is becoming more and more fun too yeah it sounds like you're going into more of a leadership role rather than a 
this is what yeah. we're doing. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to, you were saying you, you need a detailed brief and things like that, is there a particular product that you like to stick to and that's how you know to create that that brief because you stick to that? Not essentially, no. Mm-hmm. I probably haven't been sort of either developing for ourselves or, you know, developing in a capacity where it's I've been a director of a business or something, you know, in a mm-hmm. leadership capacity for long enough to have that sort of brevity. It's really been maybe one real estate cycle, um, uh, yeah. to, be, to be fair. And then, you know, in, previ- in the previous real estate, real estate cycle, call it pre-GFC, I was still very young and learning and, and, um, and sort of really had no idea, to be entirely honest. But in terms of the product type, I really do believe in this idea that livable residential, and, and I stick with residential because that's kind mm-hmm. of what I'm passionate about, but residential apartments or townhouses or houses fundamentally have the same attributes, right? Mm-hmm. And and good design stands up forever. Yep. Bad design, even if sold to investors and rented cheaply, doesn't hold its value better. Isn't the best financial return that you can you can sort of pursue. So, so generally speaking, though, I stick to apartments at a sort of a middle to upper end of a reasonable quality, reasonable to high quality and targeted at owner occupiers first, mm-hmm. but that makes a degree of sense to investors second. Yeah. No. Well it sounds like would you say you're very process based with your decision making? Seems like you're very um, you've got an bit, idea yeah. about how you make your decisions and this is how we're going based off, you know, stage one, two, three. Yeah, def- definitely. And I think those processes part a result of my coaching and mentoring that I've mm-hmm. received in the past and I was really lucky to be mentored by some incredible people that were mentored by some of the most incredible people in Australian <laughs> property so and and you know a shout out to, to Gavin Tone who was uh, mentored by uh, by Bob Hamilton who founded Mervac and I remember listening to the kind of things that Gavin used to talk to me about when I was at Leighton Properties and it really really sunk in to me the importance of creating space and really, really livable apartments. But then it's also a function of mistake as well when you develop those processes. By, by not having those processes in place, it's, it's much easier to either trust your gut too much or miss yeah. something. And this business is too, it's too risky to miss something. Definitely. There's a, a lot at stake. And would you say you're a, a person who likes risky situations? Do you have a high risk tolerance? Or do you think that you've got the processes in place now to avoid that? To, to be honest, I think if, if, if I'd asked myself that several years ago, I would have said I'd have a reasonably high risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. But in, in kind of in retrospect, I really don't think I do. I tend to try to structure every deal so that you never lose. And, and, and often say whether it's in the media side of the business or in the, in the property side of things, I, I always want to try to achieve a situation where the first rule is that you never lose and then the second rule is that you win. And you don't compromise the second as the first before the second. And by doing so, you kind of always get to this situation where you've never you never have a wipeout scenario as yeah. a scenario. And then and then you're always mitigating. It's just that kind of that consciousness of having having your bases covered consistently and knowing that no matter what the scenario outcome or the outcome is, where we're not going to get wiped out. And and look, there are circumstances that are beyond all of our control. So if I was sitting here running a, a restaurant or something during mm-hmm. COVID, then there's no way that 
really any of us would have thought about a pandemic wiping out a restaurant, right, for example, or an, or an events business or something like that. And we've got a large events business, so I know exactly how that feels. But, but the, I guess that the thing is you, you can't predict everything and so you try to make sure that you've got most of your risk criteria covered and then the rest of it is just having a go and making sure that you never do yourself out of a deal because if you're too cautious, then nothing ever gets done as well. So there's always a degree of risk. Just try to mitigate it uh, yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. No, that is such a great response. And you've given so much great information during this interview. If people want to connect with you, what is the best way? Good question. Look, I, I, I'm always happy to talk to people and, 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 and try and provide some time. I think the thing for me at the moment is, is as the business grows, you become increasingly, increasingly aware of how limited time you have. Mm-hmm. And that's the most finite thing. So, so I'm always quite open to, to chatting with people, but um, at the moment, time is just my worst enemy. So I'm trying to be as disciplined about that. The best way to, you know, connect or follow, connect me on LinkedIn. I think, yep. I think that's, that's where I'm sort of professionally You're putting, things, yeah. put, putting, yeah, yep. putting thoughts out and stuff. You know, you can follow me on Instagram. I, I don't really mind, but that's mostly my personal life. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really use Facebook that much, no. other than for, for following the Batuta Advocate and those sorts of things. <laughs> Good work. Um, and then, you know, sign up to the webinars and video content that we're doing at the Urban Developer. I tend to host yes. most of those things, and so if you want to sort of tap Perfect. into what's going on in my mind, that's probably the closest place. Yes, we'll put we'll put in some details for the Urban Developer below in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today, Adam. Um, What you've created is absolutely inspirational and I wish you the best of luck in the future and can't wait to see what you do. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Creating Australia. Don't forget to subscribe and join us on our socials to keep updated on our latest content. On Creating Australia, I love talking everything to do with people, property, development, So if you have something you'd like me to explore, let me know by searching Creating Australia on Instagram or searching Jessica Reynolds Urban Planner on LinkedIn.